Welcome to the Body Mind Spirit Show with me, your host, Coach Rita Hurry. Hey everyone, welcome to the Body Mind Spirit Show with me, your host, Rita Hurry. Today I have a special guest. Her name is Holly Copeland and she is a human potential coach, a Reiki master, sound healer and a neuro meditation teacher. Holly, welcome to the show. Hi Rita, thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. My pleasure. So you have had a 25 year career as a conservation scientist and that involved mapping the Earth's ecosystem with GPS. So can you share a little bit about what led you to take a new direction into healing and inner transformation? Yeah, thank you for that question. So it really was a place of being, you know, coming in that um, I'd been had that career for about 20, 25 years. And I was feeling like, wow, I've done all the things society asked me to do, like all the things that I had a, you know, 20 year old thought was measure of success. So I have two beautiful children and I have a lovely home and I have the job of my dreams and I have a, be- you know, a nice, beautiful relationship and, and yet I'm not happy. And I have this deep sense of sadness for the planet and despair. A lot of people can relate to just kind of a sense of environmental grief of like, what are we doing to the planet? You know, and my own mind felt like a jumbled tangle of web of all this trying and effort. And it feels, you know, even though I've done all these things, like something is amiss. And, you know, I had read spiritual books as a, as a, actually, even as a teenager, I'd kind of, you know, been reading books like Eckhart Tolle along the way. Um, But it was more of something in my conceptual mind that seemed like a, like a nice idea, but it didn't feel like a lived, like, like in my heart, like it was my own lived reality. Um, Because life still felt really hard. And I could sense there was a lot of sadness and despair. Um, over the state of the world. And I didn't know how to get out of it. And I went on a journey to, you know, help myself first to just get better and figure out like, what is, what is it that's missing? What am I missing here? That's wrong. Yeah. Is it, cause I was going to ask, like, did you go on your own healing journey? And, and what was that for you? Because it sounded like there was a lot of conflicts going on because although you, you were, doing what your heart wanted in terms of the environment but at the same time it wasn't in the direction that you really were meant to go but you weren't sure you were meant to go in that direction so what did your healing journey involve and how long was that for yeah and and let me also say that I got mold poisoning so I had a a health crisis as well on top of it (laughs) so all these things are colliding and in my mid late forties. Um, and so the healing journey that I went on was first, I had that scientist mind and I was like, 
how do I, you know, how do I get out of this mental calamity in my brain that feels, you know, this space that feels so uncomfortable. And I started, I actually went to a meditation retreat for a weekend uh, in Colorado. And that sent me on a path of wanting to explore meditation more deeply. I'd always, I'd been one of those people who had read that meditation was a good idea. And yet, it was difficult to do. And I thought, oh, well, running's my meditation because, you know, because yeah. I'm not, I can't sit still. And I really started to understand more about what meditation was actually about, that it's not just about mindfulness, but it's actually more of a, a deep spiritual inner journey. And it's an essential part of the path and started to explore that. And I also started to take my scientist brain and learn about alpha and theta brain waves and what that means and how, you know, using the tools of meditation, we can step outside of the beta thinking brainwave state and get into an alpha state. So these things started to, I started to understand them and then apply them first, just like you know, actually getting a meditation teacher and joining a meditation group and learning about how to meditate and what that meant. And that sent me down a path of actually deep exploration into Zojin and Mahamudra, direct awakening practices. I got really interested in teachers like Muji and Rupert Spira and my own personal teacher and understanding then about awareness and awareness-based practices and Abhita Vedanta and um, and how to actually wake up very quickly into understanding uh, our relationship to everything that's happening in our lived experience. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite sad when people think meditation is woo-woo. It's, it's separate. But, you know, one of the things that you you mentioned and is is great is how the science within meditation is there and that's almost like it uncovers the proof that meditation is way more powerful than just the woo-woo it's not about just you know sitting still and just escaping everything it is more it's actually filling your your mind body spirit with a lot more cleansing and a lot more clarity and focus would, would you agree or Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, to me, um, I'm not sure the, I'm sure I'm not the first person who've said this, like the Buddhists are basically made a science of the mind. I mean, that's actually what that study is. And across traditions, you know, when you really look into it, you see that they're actually investigating the way that consciousness works in relationship to reality. It's a science actually, when you look at it that way. And I never understood I didn't understand that. I was stuck in the Western notion of, of um, you know, mindfulness, you know, kind of mindfulness-based stress reduction. You know, God bless John Kabat-Zinn to bring mindfulness to the Western world. But I had a very naive notion of what meditation was at the time. And somehow it didn't connect in my brain that the whole path to well-being and happiness was actually, you know, could be found by studying and applying the tools of, you know, that Buddhists and Hindu and many different traditions have made of the science of the mind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I studied um, Deepak Chopra, I studied um, under him in terms of becoming a meditation teacher. And I had done meditation for years before. It actually helped me get over lack of confidence and, and shyness. And it, you know, just 
bringing the scientific knowledge, bringing all, all the knowledge of how meditation goes far beyond what we think it is, just yeah. was mind-blowing to me, even at a stage where I'd been doing it for years. It was like, wow, there's even more that I needed to know about meditation. So I totally agree with you there that we can get stuck in what we think it is, but it's about exploring and just growing with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, and it's I mean, by no means am I done. And I'm sure you feel the same way that you're not done. Like it's an unfolding, you know, path that reveals beautiful insights about the nature of reality and who and what we are. Definitely. So, I mean, we've kind of touched on this, but how do we transform from an ordinary mind to an awakened mind? Yeah. You know, the path, I mean, this has been studied across multiple traditions. The path that I was taken down was the path of, of the ancient path of Tibetan Dzogchen and Mahamudra. And in those paths, we see that the nature of our mind is fundamentally clear and pure. And they call this the ground of being. So to understand that our natural state is actually joy and well-being, that that clarity of mind that we seek is not something that's not already here. It is actually already here in our lived experience. And so to get to, and, but it's not something you can think your way there. And from a Western point of view, that was something I didn't understand because I only, I'd only really seen my, my experience was all filtered through the conceptual mind, the thinking mind, as it were, right? And so what this awakened mind view that they point to is one, to understand that it's already here, and then to start to understand that you first understand that there's kind of a subject-object relationship going on in our lived experience of, you know, the subject, I, you know, the one who's aware, the one who's listening to this podcast now for everybody, you know, listening, I like to give examples, right? that knowing awareness, that presence that's here, and then to understand that everything that's happening, so as you listen to the sound of my voice and the conversation we're having, that's all part of, of something you're aware of, but it will come and go and pass. And that beautiful presence here, the part that's not passing, is this open, clear presence of awareness. And in this these practices, we learn to focus more on the awareness and let the objects, the sounds, the perceptions, everything we're aware of kind of become more of like the background. That's the first step, right? And to start to see that this open, clear awareness is fundamentally unchanging and fundamentally limitless and boundless. And so whatever's happening in your life, whatever discomfort is simply passing through the pure awareness of being. Yeah. So is it is it important then to be fully present where in each situation in order to capture that awakened mind? You know, it's such a great question because I think before my understanding of how to get was like, oh, I have to be mindful as though like, oh, let me try to be mindful right now. And that was very hard because it just was more efforting and more doing. And so this path is actually 
a path and Locke Kelly, another teacher I work have studied under, is more about stepping into effortless mindfulness. So stepping into a place of undoing, right? That the presence we seek is already here. So all we need to do is turn our, it's like a U-turn in the mind back to simply the knowing of our experience. So just simply coming back into, okay. You know, one way to do that, that I, I love the way Locke Kelly describes this is like an unhook from your thinking mind, travel your attention, let your awareness travel down into your heart space, feel, you know, feel your heart from within. Notice that you don't need to think to be, right? This presence is here be, before, in a way, in a, in a way, like before thinking happens, there's a presence here. And so it's more of a dropping of focus, of outward focus or outward attention, as it were, and just a coming back to the pure sense of, right, there's just knowing and then there's knowing, and then there's knowing, right? And this same sense of knowing has been with us our whole lives. So, you know, this feeling that we have, like the, the feeling of Holly or the feeling of Rita or whoever's listening, that, that sense of beingness, right? It has an unchanging quality that's always been here. So we're kind of coming back to that unchanging element of experience and turning our attention to that. Yeah, so it's also, it's almost like, you are building that self-awareness and to me it can also tap into helping someone build that confidence in themselves because it's almost like you're coming away from the noise and you're being you're being you're being you and in your essence so not necessarily the physical side of you it's the connection to your heart like you mentioned going within connecting being and just feeling that that's exactly. spiritual energy that's there exactly I would say so because then and you mentioned it like the noise right the thoughts um when we get caught up in external reality it feels like we're caught in a kind of noise of you know, thoughts crisscrossing, you know, across our mind and, and it's very confusing. And so the way out as you know, Thich Nhat Hanh says the way out is in, but we could also say the way out is here. It's simply to feel right. It's rather than, um, if you think about like a, like if you feel sad, right, you might say, I am sad. Right. And when we do that, we're we're fusing the sadness with the eye as though there's a true eye here that's sad. But if we take that statement and we say, I am aware that sadness is present, that simple flip allows us to see there's a, an emotion of sadness that's present, but it's actually something I'm aware of. It's not what I am. Yeah. 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 Right. And so it's that coming back to I am aware. That's what's first. And that I that's aware is fundamentally always open, clear, pure. It's saying yes to everything that's happening in life. It's not rejecting anything. It has all these beautiful qualities that are everything we seek, right? 
the happiness you seek is the happiness you actually are. You're already, you know, the source of your own radiance. Beautiful. I love that, Holly. I could listen to you all day. <laughs> um, how can, like, right now, we are currently going through a human humanitarian crisis in the world right now. How can an awakened mind help us through this and, you know, just give us that peace and maybe even help solve this current yeah. in some way? Yeah. So this is the paradox of this to me, this question is like the paradox of human, of being a human being. Such a beautiful question because it goes to the essence of, of these of the practice and the teachings. So when we look outside in the world, and this is the trap I was caught in, and and I, I call it like the trap of never enough. There will never be enough. If you're caught in this trap, there's never enough time, money, or resources to quote unquote, save the planet or whatever, the, the ailing mother or like, you know, any of the problems that feel like deep problems in our lives, it's, there's a constant trying to solve them. And we're caught in it's never enough. And I'm, if I just fix this, then I'll be okay. If I just do that, then this will be okay. But the thing is, is it's always coming. There will always be the next thing. And in, and um, you know, in the foreseeable, I kind of came to this in my own kind of way of just recognizing like, no matter what I did from an environmentalist point of view, I knew there would always be the next big, hairy environmental problem. And I was like, if I live my life this way, I will always be playing catch up. I will never be happy. I'll never actually be able to be happy because these catastrophes are going to keep coming for you know foreseeable future. Um, and so the question then becomes, if you recognize that, that it's always, there's always the next thing, um, then then you kind of come back to, okay, wait, like just stop, you know, what if we just pause and actually just allow ourselves to come back to the open, clear, pure awareness that's here and stop trying to fix, to be in a place of always fixing, but actually put on, I like to say, put on our own oxygen mask and just come back to the well-being in, you know, that's here, like to just come back to feeling this open presence that's here, breathe, feel, know, stop trying to fix the outside world, come mm -hmm. back to the wholeness and the perfection that you are. And the miracle of that is when you come back to the wholeness and the perfection of you are, that you are, you, it's like you be, you, you source your own inner radiance you become that for the world. And that's what the world needs, right? The world needs each of us not to be in despair, not to be um, feel broken, but actually to come back to our own wholeness. And when we do that, not only do we feel amazingly better and we have energy and we, um, you know, our bodies feel physically better, our emotional state gets better, our thoughts stop being a catastrophe, but we actually become what the world needs, which is a being filled with love and hope and radiance. So we solve kind of two problems at once when we stop trying to 
fix the outside world. That's the key is to stop trying to fix everything, but just come back to yourself and your own well-being. It feels like a radically selfish act. Like, wait a minute, I don't have time to pay attention to myself because the world's on fire. But the world needs the firefighters who are prepared and ready and, hey, I'm here to help. And how do you do that? How do you become the firefighter that says, hey, I'm here to help? You you go within, you, you recognize all the same thing that all the teachings across all the ages have been saying, which is that you are whole, perfect, and complete just as you are. And you come back to that and you let that fix everything that seems like a problem. It's true. I, I totally agree. And I think it is where so much, <clears throat> so many of us, excuse me, are very living our life outside in, you know, and so mm -hmm. easy to react you know always react living from well this hurdle caused me to do xyz therefore i'm my, my whole calmness is gone because i need to react to this sort of thing but it it is true like you said because the energy is different the focus is different and if more and more of us came from that place which you've described the energy will totally shift. And I do believe like as a collective that can help the world. Yes. What it's going through. So we need more of that for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's been said in so many ways, but we all know this is the essential truth, right? I mean, Martin Luther said, right. Hate cannot dispel hate. Only love can do that. Darkness can not dispel darkness. Only light can do that. I mean, that's it right there in that, beautiful saying of his, right? Only light, only love is actually what will fix this. And, but we, we can't ask others to do it if we can't find that ourselves, right? So we have to go in and find it. How do you do that? You come back to your breath, you come back to the, the awareness, to the perfection that you are and all these beautiful doorways. There's so many different teachings. I, you know, that help people on that path. That's what I do now is to help people find and see that. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. What is the 10 minute life hack? Yeah. So the 10 minute life hack is what we've been, what we've been talking about and what I've been pointed at, which is awareness itself. So, I mean, I had heard this, I first heard this, you know, I heard Eckhart Tolle talking to Oprah Winfrey about you are not your thoughts. And I remember the first time I heard that and I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean I'm not my thoughts? You know, and, and something clicked, but the teachings from Zojin and Mahamudra take it into a, for me, a much deeper place. So, um, you know, if I may, just to do a little exercise for people that are listening. Um, the 10 minute life hack is, so just right now, you know, notice what you're looking at. So I'm looking at a lamp and I just notice there's the lamp and that's the normal ordinary way that we kind of tend to go about the world as we see an object and we kind of perceive there's an object here. Okay. So that's an object. Now notice something is aware of that. And it feels like a U-turn in my mind. Is that what it feels like to you, Rita? Definitely. 
yeah so there's kind of a okay I'm not going to focus on the lamp or the thing the object I'm going to and actually one of the ways the Buddhists do it is focus on the space between you and the object and then bring that space into the center of your mind your brain your head as it were and for me, what happens is that focus on the object softens. There's sort of an opening in perception. Yeah, I kind of, for me, it's like the space between is, I'm it's not lost in the space, but it feels calming. Because at first, when you said it, I was going inward, I guess, because that's just my natural way. It's just like straight to my heart. But then having this focus on the space actually made it even more powerful in that mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 So then you feel that space and then, and right, bring it into your brain. So you're just still stay focused on the space. And then notice, does that space have any limits? In other words, can you find a boundary? in any direction, if you go up with your mind or you go to the left or to the right or below you, does it feel like it has any limits? No, it feels open and free. Free, right? Mm -hmm. And then notice, again, keeping your awareness, holding on this, on awareness itself, feel, does it come and go in time? In other words, is it always going to be here or is there a time when this will stop or ever has stopped in your experience? I would say definitely if I'm taking, if I'm starting to go into my head, then it stops. But just allowing it to be, it doesn't stop. I bring my awareness back to the space. Right. Even if you go into your head, though, ask yourself, something is aware that you went into your head, right? Mm. You know, in order for you to tell me that, yeah. you have to have awareness, right? Yeah. So could it, it really couldn't stop then, right? No, because it's like a flick, a flick of a switch. If I flicked it one way, it'll take yeah. me back there. And if I flicked it the other way, it would take me back to my head. If that makes right. sense. But either way... There's awareness yeah. that was there, right? Yeah. Sleep yeah. with sleep, right? If you say, you know, how does it go away when we sleep? Well, it can't, right? Because if, mm. I, if I ask you how was your sleep, you know how your sleep was, right? Yeah. So awareness is ever present, timeless, right? So it's the timeless and boundless aspect of all experience. And then ask yourself, is awareness rejecting any aspect of your experience? It's a neutral energy. Right. Mm. Neutral. So when we say, I don't like this, that's a thought in the mind that's actually not awareness itself, right? Awareness is neutral about whatever's happening, right? If I were to yell and scream at you right now and you went, oh my God. <laughs> That's awareness would be aware that you didn't like that, but mm. it itself would not be affected. Do you feel that? 
Does that feel true? Yeah, because you take it's almost, and I feel that that's what take why I love meditation is because it takes I take a bit of it each time I do it. Yeah, you know, so it it's I can go into it easily. Yeah, my awareness of it's there. Right, that safe right. that that energy that I need that picking up coming back into a space mm. of of um open peaceful calm but the truth is we life is the meditation we don't actually need to meditate and we meditation is a way to practice returning to awareness and so like a lot of the teachers i study with this talk about like small glimpses throughout the day that's one of lock kelly's statements you know small glimpses many times throughout the day to return to awareness, to return to the natural state of being. But it yeah. never leaves us. It's always here. So that means that no matter what's happening in our experience, there's a place in each of us that's always infinitely open, calm, and allowing of whatever's happening. Yeah. Um, Krishnamurti on his deathbed said, when asked what the secret to life was, said, I don't mind what's happening. What he's really talking about is if we come back into awareness, awareness is simply the space that allows everything to be as it is. So if we stop attaching to all these things in life and we return to awareness, we recognize that this there's a, there's a part in each of us that can be with whatever's happening. It's already doing it. There's just another part of us that's the resistance. And so... So to me, the 10 minute life hack is knowing that and not knowing that is a concept that you think in your mind, but actually through the exercise I just showed you that we just went through to feeling that truth for ourselves. It's not something we can know as a thought. It's actually something we just, we experience and then learn to return to that, to that. It's like a, it's like a flip in the movie. It's to me, one of the analogies that I, that I use is like, it's like seeing the screen instead of the movie playing on the screen, right? If the movie playing on the screen is a horror show, you can, you can change your perception and see, oh, I'm just in the safe movie theater. Yeah. And it's, to me, it feels like that. It's like, there can be a lot of sadness, a lot of pain, a lot of anger, and you can flip to be like, and... There's an awake, loving presence here, no matter what's happening. It's that. And I think that's, if we can learn to do that and to just capture that moment, like you said, that feeling, it's it's the foundation that no one can take away from, from us. No one can take away from you no matter what you're going through. I mean, I I strongly believe, and obviously in my training, I have learned that our emotions are not who we are. And it's so easy to be pulled in that direction. But when you've experienced that awareness of, no, there's, there's something beyond this. This is just a hurdle. It's just something, it's, it's an emotion. And I can observe it, I can see it, but it yes. doesn't make me me. It's, you know, it doesn't, it's not my signature. 
that makes sense. You know, total sense. Oh, exactly. Yes. It's just an energy playing out through us. Everything's energy, right? Everything, emotions, visuals, hearing, it's all energy. So like you're, yeah. So if an emotion that we, you know, hate, anger, something that's uncomfortable comes up through us, we, we can simply recognize, okay, that's the energy of sadness that's here. Yeah. It's a part that's coming through and it's moving through an awake, open, loving space that's always here. It's the parent that we always wished we had, you know, that we're looking for, that we always want to feel safe and cared for. And the message is that safe, cared for being is here now always for each of us. It's in you. It's in me. It's who we are. And the pointing is the, the awakening is to see that. Yeah. Cause it's all just, it really is energy and motion, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So you also do sound healing. I do. So you need to share a little bit about how does sound healing work and what are the benefits of it? Yeah. So to build off of the conversation that where we just left off, it's perfect, right? So if it, it, it I teach a process called that I call inner rewilding. And the first step is awaken. It's yeah. awaken, attune, allow, and align. And we just talked about the miracle of awakening. But then the next part, it's like this attunement to the subtle energies that are flowing in our we, you know, through the universe, right? And through us that we are and we're a part of. And everything is energy. And sound, like I work with primarily with tuning forks, right? Have an ability to help bring coherence into the energetic field. And so what we experience as sadness or anger is in the training that I've had, like a dissonance in our field. It's a, it's an incoherence in the field. It's a place where energy isn't moving because we've frozen because it was too traumatic. It was too hard. Some, something in our life as often in our childhood, um, maybe karmically from the past, you know, caused us to feel like, you know, stuck in other words. Right. And that energy is stuck in our field somewhere and we experience that as the pain of, of an emotion, for example, or a physical pain also, right? And when we bring a tuning fork or a coherent sound bowls into our energetic field, it can help bring coherence to those knots, you know, that flow of chi that's not flowing and when, get help it move. And when that happens, that is the healing process. Energy moving and flowing is what we experience as healing. So to me, sound healing tools are this like this beautiful, very direct way to get energy moving again. There's many tools, right? But to me, that's the one that I've found to be particularly effective. And I can do it because it's a quantum field and because we're all connected. I can do it anywhere in the with someone anywhere in the world and they will experience this release of energy. It's amazing. So is it... Um... Obviously, it sounds um, an appropriate word that I've used there, but um, it, it's basically the um, 
the a particular sound just kind of awakens that that issue that whether it's a physical or you know emotional wound that's going on in the body does it work with a lot of things like say for example there's you know there's many people like in this um era that have got money blocks and maybe um are struggling with um grief and and bereavement and things does it just kind of open up anything in terms of that or how do you know which sounds to go for or yeah yeah those are great questions so um i haven't i mean i've worked with people with so many different issues abundance grief sadness anger lots of different things so i haven't found something that it doesn't necessarily won't work for um how do i know what tuning fork so or what frequency in biofield tuning we primarily use a set of 10 or 12 forks um that are like based on the Fibonacci sequence. So some of the the frequencies that have like 512 or 428 or 174 that have been known to promote healing in the body. So these are like a tied to sacred geometry and, you know, were discovered, you know, many centuries or thousands of years ago by, you know, in the various healing arts, the Hathors and, and you know, different civilizations have understood these and brought these frequencies forward to us today. So for me, it's not so much a matter of finding the exact frequency as using one of these sacred geometry frequencies tuned to sacred geometry that promotes healing in the body. And then it's more about the way that I do it. So in, in biofield tuning, we move through that biofield or the energetic field in the body that each of us has an energetic field, a torus-shaped field that extends about six feet from our body. And in bio, and you know, we have our chakra system, a system of, you know, energy wheels through the body. And in biofield tuning, we bring the forks into the field and comb through the field, searching for dissonance, and then allow the body listens to that dissonance and then will attune itself to the fork. It's it's like um, if you, you know, for the musicians, you know, if you had an out of tune instrument in an orchestra and you're kind of tuning up to the A note, it, the, I think the body like naturally will tune itself to the coherent frequencies that are presented. Um, but it also is, is a way of coming through the field, searching for these literally like tangles in the field and find, that's what I do finding them and, uh, and holding the fork there and allowing it to that energy to release. Yeah. You know, when you're explaining that to me, I have this image of someone stuck in a maze and there's this sound or this person shouting, you know, that's actually leading them out of it. Like they're stuck and there's like, but it's guiding them out almost. I mean, that image just came up. To Love me. that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i think that's true and we we you know we're stuck in a maze when we are in pain and it's like it's like the light shining through cutting through you know it's like somebody opening a door in the maze that we can't find our way out of and like oh there's the light 
I think the body's doing that. The body's listening and it hears that coherence and it goes, oh, that's what I want, you know, because I'm sure you've, in the work that you do, you've noticed this, like our bodies are seeking well-being. They're always healing. You know, we are self, we have self-healing mechanisms built into us. You know, Western medicine totally uh, kind of ignores this. Like to me, fundamentally, all the all the healing arts, the true healing arts of the world, like, like Eastern medicine and, you know, um, Hindu, um, Ayurveda, these are all based on the idea that the body is a self-healing mechanism and it has all this healing built in. If we support it with the right frequencies, whether it's in the shape of a tuning fork or food or, you know, mantra or things, you know, all of those are ways of inducing the healing frequencies into the body to support its own natural process to heal yeah i love that so i like to ask my guests one final golden nugget that they would like to leave the audience with from your expertise what mm. would that golden nugget be for you <laughs> you know I, one, I like to keep things simple because it's, we have so much information that is coming at us. And I know for myself, you know, finding my way through this path, it can feel very confusing. Like, what do I do? Right. And my very favorite thing that I always ask my clients when we're working together is just to pause, take a breath, feel into your heart. And whatever you're facing, just ask yourself this one question. What is the next most loving thing I can do? You really don't need to know any more than that. Right? The solution is always found in, in being loving. And that includes to ourselves. So that's not, that doesn't necessarily mean extending yourself out for somebody else. It's like it, you are included in that. Question. So if the next most loving thing to do is take a nap to, to, for your own well-being, then take a nap, you know, or take a bath or take a five minute step in the sunshine and breathe. It's like, it's that simple, actually. Like it all is that simple. Um, feel good nature isn't it it's like I don't think a lot of us allow ourselves to feel good because we feel oh no I can't reward myself I should just keep on and on like being a hamster on a hamster wheel just constantly but exactly it's like you've got to get off. yeah you have to get off the hamster wheel you know that's where I was I was like caught in the freaking Every, you know, um, groundhog day of life where every morning I just wake, I'm like, oh my God, here we are again. All the things to do, you know, all the planet to save, all of humanity, you know, what am I going to do? And it, and it, it's life sapping, you know, it just sucks the life out of you and you'll never catch up. So you have to like, you have to cut through that and stop that endless cycle. And the way to do that is just what you're saying. It's like, you begin at home. You begin where you are. You begin with what's the most loving thing I can do for myself, for 
period right now and yeah. do that and, yeah. and then keep doing that and do it again and do it again and do it again. And soon enough, you will find that you are living a better life and things are getting better because you feel better because you're taking care of whatever the next most loving thing to do was. I love that. And that is a perfect ending to our interview, which has been awesome. Um, so where can the listeners, the viewers go to find out more about your services, Holly? Thank you. I love this interview. It's been so much fun talking to you, Rita. Um, so you can find me at heartmindalchemy.com. And all of my offerings are there, including one-on-one -on -one work with me. And I have a group uh, session, two group sessions I lead a month um, that is a growing community I call Heart Mind Circle. And we gather for sound healing and breath work together and some meditation. And um, yeah, and a, a masterclass I have. So yeah, all of that's at Heart Mind Alchemy. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Holly. You've been an amazing guest and there's a lot of things that we've covered um, and I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from it. I know I keep mentioning a lot, but yeah, <laughs> but definitely I think I love the fact that it can be such a simple teaching, but sometimes we do need those reminders because we, we tend to overcomplicate things. But just remember to go back to simplicity is the, is the message and the awareness which is a simple thing, but yet sometimes we we just ignore it. So mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that message back out to everyone today. Mm, you're so welcome. Thank you. I, you know, just wish the best for you and for all the beautiful people listening. And um, yeah, together we will do this. Together we are doing this, yeah. you know. Yeah, definitely. It's working. <laughs> Absolutely. It's working. Oh, and I'm getting all this confirmation from angelic light coming around. Yes, it's working. It's that simple. Brilliant. Well, thanks again, Holly. You've been amazing. Well, everyone, that's it for another episode. As I always say, stay safe, stay happy and strong and trust in who you are. Until next time, take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for more motivation and inspiration coming real soon. And if you'd like further information on the services I provide or you'd like to contact me, visit RitaHurry.com or email me at info at ritahurry.com. Until next time, take care. enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for more tips, motivation and of course inspiration coming up real soon. 
If you want to email me and send me messages of what you thought of the show or anything you'd love me to cover on the show, please email me at coachrita at swastialiving.com. Swastialiving is S-W-A-S-T-H-Y-A-L-I-V-I-N-G.com. See you real soon. Bye.